Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Mike Ross. Welcome to Episode 30, Season 3 of Leaf Sky. Jim Taddy with you for the next half hour or so. Our special guest today is Dave McCarthy from SiriusXM and NHL.com as we go over a busy week for the NHL and, of course, for the Maple Leafs with the draft going on Wednesday and Thursday night and, of course, free agency starting on Saturday and all kinds of hijinks planned and unplanned for the Maple Leafs hockey team. Before we get going, new customers download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the code XXX, that's triple X, bet just $5 to score $150 in bonus bets instantly. The code is triple X, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, on to the hockey story. And what do we have here? Well, it's hard to say. Brad Treleving is the new general manager of the Maple Leafs, and his assistant is Shane Doan. So we don't understand or we don't really know at this point what exactly is going to happen, but there's plenty of anticipation. This is a big week. We've got the NHL draft first round Wednesday night, and it wraps up on Thursday. Free agency opens the door on Saturday. And, of course, we've got the buyout window closing on Friday. All kinds of possibilities here. I won't go through any speculation at this point. Let's dive into it next with our conversation with Dave McCarthy from SiriusXM and NHL.com. All right, Dave, what do you make of the new general manager and the front office as it exists when we record this on Monday, June 26th? What do you think the, the ramifications of that GM change will be? It's an interesting question because there hasn't been a lot of activity yet at this point. Not a lot of movement on the part of Brad Trenovic. I think, look, it's not necessarily a bad thing after five years where, let's be honest, minimal postseason success was had to have a new set of eyes come in and assess the situation. Was it a surprise? Sure, it was that that Kyle Dubas was, was shown the door, essentially. Um, and, and it caught me off guard a little bit. I was, I was of the mind that he had, he had done enough, um, and had, had improved, uh, as his time on the job went on to, to retain his job. But 
you know, clearly there was a, a, a differing of opinions between uh, Kyle and Brandon Shanahan, and he wanted some things that Brandon was just simply not willing to offer. And when that's the case, I mean, that's business and changes get made. So um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing now that you got a new set of eyes because now Brad Trailerman comes in and says, well, look, I mean, you know, this guy, this guy, this guy, you know, good shape here, but, but that guy who the previous general manager might have might have been in love with, so to speak, yeah, like that guy's playing too high in the lineup, or you're not going to be able to win with this approach. Um, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing either that a new set of eyes are evaluating the situation and, and seeing if, if you can't tweak a little bit here or there um, to, to, to push forward and get to ultimately where they want to be because they got a good team, but they just keep seeming to run into the same roadblocks. And at some point, if you're going to continue to do the same thing time and again, to expect different results can be foolish at times. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. I thought it might extend to the, the coach, but I, but I, I guess it's not going to, and, and I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, at, at some point, uh, things just naturally happen. I, I like the, uh, the fresh eyes approach, you know, in the past Kyle would have brought in a lot of people that he knew from junior hockey. And I'm looking for Brad to bring in uh, some veteran people that maybe he was uh, exposed to in, in Calgary or, or maybe even going back to his days in Arizona. He's already done what, that with Shane Doan. So I, I, I like the tweaks that could happen here, but, but this situation sort of calls for more than tweaks, doesn't it? Well, look on the coaching situation, you, you know, Jim, I have to tell you, a general manager only has so many bullets. So to come in and immediately fire the coach, um, now, now you've already sort of set the clock running on yourself to an extent. You know, there's, there's numerous examples where managers have come in and haven't immediately made a coaching change. Um, for instance, Kyle Dubas didn't immediately make a coaching change when he was installed as general manager. He tried to, to coexist with Mike Babcock for a period of time and, Ultimately, they made a change. Um, so, you know, we'll see. I would suggest that if the start of the season is is poor, that Sheldon Keefe's leash may not be particularly long. Um, but at this point, and, and, and sort of the way the timeline played out, you let Sheldon go. Like, there's really not a lot of coaches that are out there available right now that I would look at as a dramatic upgrade. So, you know, I think you, you hang on and you see what you got. And, and, and maybe Brad sits down with Sheldon and says, well, look, you know, this strategy here is good, but I think we got to change that a little bit. And coaches can be um, adaptive. Uh, absolutely. It's, they can, it's not this, they, they coach the same way and can only coach one way. Coaches can be adaptive. And all of the players that I've talked to have a respect for, for Sheldon. I was talking to Morgan Riley last Thursday night. Um, you know, I know what he told me on the record, but, but you know, off mic too. He, he expressed a, uh, a, a confidence in Sheldon and that uh, his leadership is, is strong and that he, he thinks he's done a really good job and that the guys not just like playing for him because it's easy, but like playing for him because – because they chat because he challenges them um, the the way they should be challenged the way they need to be challenged so you know that's 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 what I'll say in the coaching standpoint from a from a player standpoint a roster standpoint I do agree I think it needs more than just a tweak or two um, 
they they need to find a way to score more often because because yet again in the playoffs defensively they weren't bad they couldn't score when it mattered most um against Sergei Bobrovsky so they need to find a way to to bring in some offensive enhancement to support the guys who are here if that involves trading one of them we'll see but they need to find a way to get some more contributions from from down the lineup and I I do like the messaging that that Brad uh, has delivered since he came in It, it can't be just about the core four because I think we have gotten obsessed with that to an extent in this market where it's about Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tavares. can't be about four guys. And then, you know, the, the I wouldn't even say hired guns, but like the bargain basement pieces that have been brought in to support them. It has to be about the whole team. Because you look at any, any team that's gone deep, look at Colorado last year, look at Vegas this year, Tampa the two years before that. It wasn't just McKinnon and Randon or Point and and Stamkos and Kucherov um, or or you know Mark Stone and Jonathan March so and Jack Eichel it was about guys all throughout that lineup that were were making contributions and that's really what you need to get to you need your big guys to deliver but you also need contributions from you know spots five through twelve up front put it that way. Yeah, I brought up the coaching situation only because not uh, it's not a uh, complaint against Sheldon Keefe. It's just the realization that both Stanley Cup finalists had new coaches, and it seemed to work. In other words, you know, new guy comes in, you make minor roster tweaks, same message is delivered, everybody gets it this time. And and I don't know if that's the missing piece here, but, but I kind of think it is. And again, it's not an indictment on Sheldon Keefe at all. It's the situation. Um, I want to go back to, uh, you know, we've had this conversation many times, you and I, me with other guests. Uh, when you're dealing with the core four, uh, the same problem from exactly a year ago. Does Tavares shift to the left side on his own line? And who comes in to play that center? And who is the left winger for Matthews and Marner? Now, the answer for that could be nice. I think it's a bit of a stretch to put him there in his first full season. But that's really what they're looking at, isn't it? And it's no different without nice than a year ago. You're right. It's that left side. And I think we had that conversation might've been this exact day last year. Um, it remains a question. Uh, Matt and I showed an ability to have potential to perform in that role. I'll tell you another thing that concerns me is you look at the teams that go deep and, and ultimately go on to win championships. They don't, they generally don't have a lot of rookies prowling around out there, right? They like, they yeah. really don't certainly not in, in in prominent roles so um look if, if matt and i can can play well in that role that's fantastic but you know what i i think is more likely is that you start the season one way and that by the end of the season the team takes on a different look you you look at the trade deadline even if if nice um performs well in that role you look to upgrade in that area with some experience. And then what happens is you can push him down the lineup a little bit if need be. Um, or you have veteran presence where whoever that guy might be come the deadline, you start him down the lineup. And if nice falters, you, you can elevate him. You, you build yourself some insurance. You don't necessarily need it for game one, but I think you need it by game 82 because it just doesn't seem like teams that go deep uh, rely on, on rookies 
um, all that much. And it's just really the nature of, of the sport. Um, experience often wins out at the most crucial times of the year. Dave, I'm going to go back to the, the lineup, and it was 11 forwards in their last game, the one where they were eliminated against the Florida Panthers. And I have 11 forwards, and I have, uh, let's see, five of them are potentially gone. Kerfoot, Bunting, O'Reilly, Achari, and Camp. Uh, of those five players, which ones do you think return? Um, well, that's a good question. Think return or want to return? Because that's a different question. Well, let's just go. Let's go realistic. Who, who okay. do you think comes back? Um, I don't think Kerfoot's back. Uh, I really don't. Uh, David Camp potentially, but at the right price, and he has to be the fourth line center. Can't get crazy ideas and say, well. Yeah, maybe we can elevate him. You can play third. No, he's fourth line center. Really good fourth line yeah. center, but no higher than that. And at the right price. He might be in a position where he can command himself some money. And if that's the case, he's got to take that. Uh, he would be foolish not to. And, and I would criticize him if he didn't. So, you know, that's that's a, a potential. Um, Nola Chari I'd like. But again, I think there's going to be a lot of, of interest in Nolachari, and you got to make sure you, you pay the right price there. Like, you know, I remember you and I always used to talk you know, 10 years or so ago about the Red Wings when they were still in their heyday, right? Like a guy would come along, he'd fill a role that he'd price himself out then you'd move him along and, and you'd fill from within. You, you yeah. couldn't get to a position where you, where you, you overpay because you end up handcuffing yourself. Yeah. So I, I'd like Nolachari, but, you, you got to really be careful at the right price. Michael Bunting, again, you love the guy at what he was making this year, but if he is a guy that can command the, I'm trying to think of a, an equivalent deal, let's just say, let's just say four times six. Ooh. Uh, oof, right? Ooh, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, that. Oh that becomes it and he might be in that position where there would be a team willing to go down that road or at least let, get close to it um you know barkley goudreau in new york here's a that's a comparable right he, he he put himself in a real good spot coming out of those two championship years in tampa bay commanded long term and i think it's 3.6 3.7 a year uh for a significant term i think six years and and now they're looking to move that deal because for the role you want Barkley Gaudreau to fill, that's just much too much money. Much too much money. So, again, you'd like Michael Bunning back, but the dollars and cents may not work out. Um, and, and Ryan O'Reilly, I, I like him. I do. I think he brings an element that is important. He brings uh, leadership. He brings just, just a desire to want to win. And not saying that the guys who were here before him don't have that, but there's just he's wired a little bit different. You look you look into that guy's eyes, and you're just not quite sure if, if things might go haywire on you if you're the opponent in a bad way. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah, just a, yeah. a little element of crazy in there, which which I like. Um, but but the guy's going to be 33, so you, you have to be careful again now. Do you sign a deal thinking that you're in a window here where it's two or three years? You don't really care about years four, five, or six if it if it takes that much, five years. You don't really care about years four and five. 
Like, I, I don't know. I, I think your window could be longer than that, potentially. If if you get Matthews um, and, and Marner to return, so you got to be careful. How many guys do I think come back? I mean, honestly, the safe money right now, I think, is is none, to be honest. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Uh, I think the whole point out of those five names is uh, the Leafs could extend offers, but they have to fit into their, their budget. And I'm sure that most of the five would find better money somewhere else. So so what you come out of this with is um, now it's you know, you've got these little figures here and they all have to mesh. Uh, and it doesn't really speak to how you construct a roster, which is kind of now we get back to the big four soaking up a lot of the roster. In fact, when you go to cap friendly, you're going to find they've got committed uh, 44 million bucks, 44.6 to let me do some quick math here. Uh, seven players. So obviously they need at least five more and, and they're sort of at the, at the top of their budget there because the blue line budget is, is already at 17 million and the goaltending budget. Of course, that includes Matt Murray is, is 5.4. Uh, so without Samsonov. So, I mean, you know, it always comes down to this. How do you make it all fit in? And you're looking at an exodus here of at least five forwards um, and uh, probably going to have to do something to get Matt Murray out of the picture. Well, that's right. I mean, that's incumbent on on Brad Traveling to find a way to divest himself of that contract. You can't have that kind of money sitting in a baseball hat all year. It's just it's just too much when when your hands are tied in other areas. Um, you know, look, it 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 is not ideal, and I think that's why they're going to have to rely on some younger guys, some entry level guys, early in the season that that fit in um, and can play significant roles can can play higher than their salary and then come trade deadline time uh you try to upgrade and figure out where you can massage some salary you know work ltir to your to your benefit as the season goes on all of that type of stuff um but that's why i say come come day one that's why i think they're they're gonna have to rely on some younger players you know look at look at colorado for instance they were unable to fill because they were in a bit of a cap crunch last year, the, the hole that was vacated by Nazem Kadri. Yeah. And it cost them big time. They elevated JT Comfer, and Comfer's a good player, but he's a really good three center. He's not a, not a, like a championship caliber number two center. He, he did the best he could, but that was a hole that was significantly lacking there last year. And I think it ultimately came back to really hurt them. And, and the job that Chris McFarland did over the weekend, getting Ryan Johansson uh, a donation deal from Nashville, and they ate 50%. Now, Nashville wanted some of the cap space back, so instead of buying them out, they, they win in that sense. They saved $4 million a year. But, but that's a great move by Colorado because now you've got like a, an elite quality number two center, a guy that, that might be playing – a little too low in the line. Like on some teams, he's a number one center. And I want my team full of guys that are playing a little bit lower in the lineup than they should, not a little bit higher in the lineup than they should. Yeah. Um, and, and at 4 million a year for two years, even look at the unrestricted free Asian market right now to quote one of the great thinkers of our time, Louis Deming, not the best. So if you could find uh, a center to fill that hole, um, one, I don't know if you can, but two, to get him to sign low term at four million, it's essentially what it was. It was a free agent signing by Colorado, uh, just just brilliant. Like if Ryan Johansson was a free agent, he'd be getting a lot more than two years at four million a year. But yeah. Because so 
brilliant move on the part of Chris McFarland, and now they've filled a significant hole. That's the type of creativity that I think Brad Trailing is going to need to need to exhibit um, because he's going to have to find some guys that can overplay their number but are not sort of bargain basement discount bin players but like elite quality players or, or have the potential to be so. And that's what Colorado did with some great creativity. Brad Trailing is going to have to do the same. Yeah, creativity is certainly going to have to be applied here. I want to end on this one. Uh, for me, the defense, I, I thought they did a marvelous job adding pieces to it. But oddly, at the very end, it did seem to unravel. I know those are tight hockey games. But in terms of how the league wants to go with bigger mobile defensemen that sort of block out or or uh, fence out uh, forwards cutting in, this group seemed to wear out. Uh, and I don't know how you fix it. it it's like it's one of those things that you, you can't tear it apart, so you have to keep patching it. Are you okay with the blue line they have? No, I, I think there needs to be a bit of a change there too. Uh, quite honestly, I thought they overdid the blue line at the trade deadline. Um, it, it just a lot, a lot of a lot of change, and then you know Timothy Lilligren got out of the mix. I thought he played fairly well early in the year. Now, like I said, I'm not against your team taking on a bit of a different look come playoff time, but um, he he fell so far out of the mix that by the time they needed to turn to him, like he had almost. Uh, I'm trying to remember the old uh, the line the old line that Babcock always used to use. It's like they didn't keep him alive, um, yeah. so he was kind of out of the mix. And then Justin Hall, you know, there's another guy who's an unrestricted free agent. I don't think he's back. No disrespect to Justin Hall, it wasn't his fault any longer. It was the management. Uh, they, he just kept being put in positions in the lineup far too high for where he should be. Um, so you need an upgrade there. He's not top four to festival on a championship caliber team, just period, end of story. So you need you need to find an upgrade there. You, you really do. Um, you know, Morgan Riley played the best hockey of the season in the playoffs last year. He was outstanding. Yes. Um, Jake McCabe, I, I, I am honest to goodness, still not sold on. I never was a fan of the guy's play in Buffalo, um, in Chicago. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm not, not a fan. Nothing against the guy personally. Just I, I, I don't think he makes a lot of good decisions with the puck. I think he gets caught in a lot of bad, uh, a lot of bad areas, um, and doesn't make a lot of safe plays. So we'll see there. Uh, I think they do need to find, and these guys don't grow on trees. Again, it's not easy, but like a bigger, rangy mobile defenseman. You look at. You look at uh, Vegas, it was like the Amazon rainforest back there trying to get to the front of the net. Um, it's not like that here in Toronto. And um, I think they do need a bit of a tweak there as well. So it's not going to be easy. I think there's going to be a lot of activity here in the next week or so for Brad Trailing. But but to go back to what we said earlier, I agree with you. You know, you've got a core here where you, you should be a good team. But to really get to where you want to go, I think this requires a little bit more than just a, a tweak and, and bargain basement bin shopping. Yeah, that sums it up. I thought McCabe sort of wore down as the playoffs wore along. Dave, thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Jim. Last minute of play in this podcast. All right. Thank you, Mike Ross, for the time warning. Look at the split yes guy, no guy on the way out. Yes guy, no guy, number one. The Leafs will retain their core four forwards. I'm going to say yes guy with hesitation 
I think they will, although I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't. There's all kinds of talk out there about Nylander getting moved. Some people suggest Marner, but I think they're going to give it one more shot for the core forwards. Yes, guy, no guy, number two, defense. The blue line needs major work. Oh, yes, guy. Isn't that odd that it just showed up as a weakness at the very end against the Florida Panthers? They looked disorganized, didn't know what was going on there, just didn't look right. And, of course, when you spend time in your own zone, it can sort of track that way, and it certainly did. But I think they need bigger defensemen. I think the NHL template is big, huge defensemen with mobility and uh, able to sort of box out the opposing forwards. The Leafs need some of that. Absolutely, yes, guy. Let's go out on this one. The tree-living influence will be very clear. Oh, yes, guy. i got to believe you don't bring in a new general manager and have him do status quo. I think there's going to be subtle changes to this Leafs roster, and I'll go back to the new general manager. Thanks for downloading Leafs Sky episode number 30, season 3. Hope you come back next week for episode 31.